My name is Brad, and I'm the lead pastor here at Hillside Church, and I want to thank you for listening to one of our messages from Hillside Church. We believe that the God who spoke so clearly all through the pages of Scripture is still speaking today. So if it's me speaking or if it's someone else, we pray that the message you are about to hear would allow you to know God, know His hope, know His purpose, and know His power. Enjoy the message. follow along in our text today, you can turn to Matthew chapter 8. Um, we're going to be in the first few verses of Matthew chapter 8 this morning. Uh, this week we dive back into our All Grown Up series. I'm really thankful for, for Maria last week who shared with us, and I thought she did just a wonderful job unpacking Psalm 25 for her. And, and I've invited her to, to speak a, a sermon series on God as our, our, our mighty warrior that she talked about last week, but she declined. Um, so she said, that sounds more like a job for me. So we'll, we'll, we'll work on that. She said, you don't know how long it took me to write this. So, so we, we will explore it. But I thought Maria did wonderful, and I'm really grateful for Rufus and his, his willingness to come and share with us, be in prayer for them. Again, as they're only a couple of, ways, or a couple of days away from the planting of, of the, the church in South Calgary. Power and... Power... I can't remember the name of the church now. Grace and Glory, Grace and Glory. Grace and Glory Foursquare Church in South, in South Calgary. They're, they're just a few weeks away. Uh, September 12th, I believe, is the first Sunday. So, so they're less than a month away. But this week, we dive back into our All Grown Up sermon series where, where we look at what it means for us to be all grown up. What does it mean for us to be grown-ups in our faith? What does it mean for us to be growing up to, to becoming more, to be growing, to be maturing in our faith. And we're using what's called the fruit of the Spirit as our guide to spiritual growth. Because ultimately, how can I know, how can you know, how can we judge together whether or not we're growing in our faith? And the answer is simple. The answer to that question is actually a very simple answer to, to say, harder to maybe measure, harder to maybe understand. But how can you know, how can I know if I'm growing in my faith? One simple thing. Are you becoming more like Jesus? Ultimately, that's what it comes down to. Is my life, is the way I'm carrying myself, is the way that I'm doing things, am I becoming more like Jesus? Jesus. Not just becoming a carpenter. You can have whatever trade you want. So it's not the literal becoming more, but becoming more about who Jesus was. It's the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit are love, joy, peace, forbearance or patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. How do we know if we're becoming more spiritually mature? How do we know if are we growing? It's not how many books we read. It's not how many facts we know. It's not how smart other people might think we are. It's this list. It's this list. It's the list, I think, on the live stream that's down here somewhere. The list that's up here for us in the building. That's the list that shows us if we are becoming more mature, if we are becoming more like Jesus. Are you becoming a more loving person? Are you becoming more gentle? Are you becoming more patient? Do you have more self-control now than you did? Are you able to remain faithful? 
And this is something crucial to talk about right now. Because I don't think there has been a time in my life and a time I would wager to say in many of our lives, at least on, on, a, on a collective scale, where we've had to be more intentional about the fruit of our spirit than in the last 16 months. Where we've had to be more intentional, intentional about living like Jesus and having these qualities in our lives than in the last 16 months. Because so many of the experiences, experiences that we've had while we've walked through this pandemic have not led themselves to us experiencing these things apart from God. This is not a time where we've just discovered, hey, we're more patient. We're more kind. We're more loving. Everything in our experience has pushed us to not experience those things. And so we've needed to be more intentional. Our peace has been put under more stress than before. Our patience, our gentleness, as we have people, or as we all have people in our lives, each one of us has people in our lives that, that think, feel, and acted very differently during this pandemic than the way we think, feel, and act and have acted during this pandemic. We, we have family, we have friends, we have people in our lives. Whatever it is that you have done, whatever it is that you've thought, whatever you feel, you have had people in your lives that have acted, thought, felt differently than you. And here's the thing. I have acted and thought and felt the way that I have because I thought it was the right thing to do. And it's the same for you. Even, even if we didn't agree, even if we didn't act the same, we did it because we thought it was the right thing to do. And that's what can put so much stress on a relationship. When we disagree, it's hard to have peace between us when we disagree. It's hard to have patience between us when we disagree. It's hard for these things to grow when we're confronted so much with people around us who are acting and thinking and feeling differently. And because there's been so many people thinking and acting and feeling in so many different ways, it's put pressure on our fruit. The very first time we were together, there's still some drops here. Remember, we, I, if you were here, I squeezed an orange and talked about the orange. And, and that's what we're talking about. Our fruit has been squeezed harder than maybe it's ever been. So, so let me ask you this. 2020, 2021. Are you growing in these things? Is your life more reflective today of these characteristics, of, of these characteristics, than before? This is what growth looks like. And so this week, with our fifth part in this series, we're going to tackle one of the most interesting items on this list, at least for me, interesting, kindness. And I say it's interesting because I feel like in, in our society, in our time where we live, kindness doesn't really strike me as a grown-up word. It's a word I use with my kids a lot. Be kind, show kindness, be kind to one another. 
but I think it's a word that we don't use as much about our lives and about ourselves and about our growth and how we see ourselves and, and what we want to be the more we grow up. We, we will talk about being loving people and how we as a church, we need to be loving and we'll talk about how, how we as a church, we, we need to be faithful and we'll talk about how we as believers, we need to have self-control and all of these things, they're like noble pillars of things. But I think that as we grow up, we, we certainly talk and feel, I, I think anyway, and meditate a little less on the idea of, of being kind. In fact, I think that at times it can almost be seen as a weakness as we grow up. Maybe you know people in your lives who brag about or, or at least recognize in themselves, but not as a flaw, but they will talk about how I'm just blunt. I just say what I think. You may not like it. But, but I'm just going to say whatever I feel like, and, and if you don't like it, too bad for you. Or, or you may know people who, who are out there to get theirs. Whatever it is, it's not about you, it's about me. Have you ever been in a long line at a, a, at a grocery store when a clerk comes and opens the till beside? And they say, I can help whoever's next. Suddenly, everybody's next. Or, or you're in a shopping mall and there's a one empty parking space. And, and you have the, the people cutting it. And we, we as a people, we can lose sight of the idea that kindness is a virtue. But we can look and say, you got to be tougher. you got to get yours. Nobody's going to look. If you're not tough, nobody's going to be tough for you. You better be. You, you don't need to. Don't be kind. Don't, don't look out for number the other numbers. Look out for number one. We can almost move away from our, in our lives from this idea of being kind as being something that God uh, wants us to do to become more like Him. We can almost see kindness as almost, in a way, like a thing that we should almost grow out of. Kids, be kind. But as you grow up, kindness kind of needs to fall by the wayside. But if you're growing in your walk, if we are growing in our relationship with Jesus, if we are becoming more like him, then we discover that we need to become more kind. So what does it mean to be kind? What does that look like? Well, I think what ultimately what it comes down to for kindness is, is really it's one question that we find in Scripture it comes down to one answer that, that Jesus gives. And, and when asked this question, how much our answer reflects Jesus' answer, will, will very clearly show us how kind we are. So this is where we turn to Matthew chapter 8, starting at verse 1. When Jesus came down from the mountainside, large crowds followed him. So to set the scene here, where was Jesus? It says he was on a mountainside. Now, what mountain was it? What was Jesus doing? What was going on? Why was he coming down off of a mountain? Jesus, in, in this part of, of Matthew chapter 8, Jesus is coming down after preaching the sermon that we would know as the Sermon on the Mount. So, so Jesus had been up preaching this mountain. Jesus had just finished church. 
Church had just ended, and he begins to, to come down off the mountain, to come down off the stage, and, and walk through the people who had gathered to hear him preach. And it's in this moment where something completely wild and unexpected happens. Now, maybe you've experienced something like this in church, where perhaps you, you've had a really profound experience with God, or, or maybe you've heard a very challenging sermon that, that's really pushed your buttons, and, and then seemingly right as you leave church, right as church ends, right as you're ready to go home, you are confronted by the very thing that has been, you've been pushed on. You're confronted by that thing that God was showing you or challenging you. Perhaps you've heard a really profound sermon on, on love and marriage. And maybe you thought to yourself, I'm sure glad my wife was here to hear that today. She, she really needed to hear that. She, she, she really needed, that was important for her to hear. But the minute you leave church filled with this knowledge that you need to be more loving of your spouse, your spouse just seems to be the most annoying they've ever been. That, that you have this experience where, where God has spoken to you and shown you something in your life and immediately you're confronted with it. That, that you, are, you are immediately put in a position where, where uh, perhaps today, where after this, after this sermon, you're going to be put in a position where you have to choose to be more kind. That you're confronted with it right away. And that's what's happening here. Jesus had spent all of this time preaching what we know as the Sermon on the Mount. And, and if there's one theme that comes up over and over and over again during the sermon, it's that we need to be loving people, even at a cost, even when it costs us something. If you just go back through chapter 7 and chapter 6 and chapter 5 of Matthew and you look at what Jesus is saying there, he, he will say things like, give to the needy. Give to everybody who asks you. Don't, don't store up treasures in heaven. He, he will give the Beatitudes where he'll, he'll say things like, blessed are you when people persecute you. Blessed are you when people insult you. Blessed are you when they lie about you. Blessed are the peacemakers. You need to be loving your enemy. You need to turn the other cheek. If anyone wants your shirt, give them your jacket too. If anybody asks you to go one mile with them, go two. Jesus is unpacking over and over again this idea that you need to, to be loving even at a cost. Even if it costs you something. Jesus has just preached about all of this. And then as he's coming down off the stage or the mountain, as the case may be, it's, it's not a throng of admirers or people rushing up to tell him, what a great message that was, Pastor. What a great message. Thank you for sharing that. Well, I was so touched. But instead, Jesus and every single person there is about to be confronted by something that cuts right to the heart of everything that Jesus has just said. How much did he mean it? How much did they really take away? We're about to find out. Verse 2. A man with leprosy came and knelt before him. Whoa! Jesus walks down off the stage... 
and he's met by a man with leprosy. With leprosy. Now, you may notice, if, if, if you think back to other times in Scripture, that this is a different kind of encounter with somebody with leprosy than we see anywhere else. See, usually... When somebody has leprosy and we see them encounter Jesus, they call out from a distance. They will say, Jesus, they heard that Jesus was coming, so they called out to him, Savior, have mercy on us. The reason for that is because they were forbidden by the law to come close. They are highly, highly contagious people. Now, if, if you have footnotes in your Bible, you may notice that after leprosy, there might have been a little footnote there that would redirect you to the bottom of the page or whatever. And what it would say is that they, we don't know that they actually had leprosy. Um, leprosy was kind of a catch-all term that they used for contagious skin diseases. So we don't know if it was literally leprosy, and I don't think they knew necessarily either. They just knew it was contagious, it was dangerous, get out. And so that's, that's where they were. They, they literally had to ring a bell and shout, unclean, if anybody came close to them. That, that if somebody was walking nearby too close, they had to be proactively let everybody else know, hey, guy with leprosy over here, don't come any closer. And to be exposed with someone who had leprosy was to become one of them. <laughs> if you were a close contact, we know about that today, there were no chances taken. If there's a chance you got it, you may as well have got it. You're out too. So this guy, he walks into this crowd of people. He's essentially risking his life because the people there would be justified in killing him. Because he's broken the law by doing what he did. And he walks right up to Jesus and he kneels down in front of him. By all rights, Jesus is now unclean. And so Jesus, who has just preached about loving people at a cost, and all of these people who've just heard Jesus preach at loving, a cost, uh, loving at a cost, probably amening and hallelujahing the whole way through. Uh, funny little note on that. The, one of the first times I ever preached, there was somebody in the, in the congregation, and instead of saying amen or hallelujah, they would say, come on. And at first it caught me off guard because I thought he was like being snarky. He was like, come on. And I, I was very insecure about all of that. So when you say, come on, make sure you say it with like a, a real happy voice. But, but Jesus and this crowd of people who probably were like, yes, Jesus, amen, brother, preach it. I love to hear it. Well, now Jesus and this crowd, they're confronted by this man and by the ultimate example of what Jesus has just talked about, what they just heard. So this man comes and he kneels down. So if we read the rest of verse 2, he says that a man with leprosy came and knelt down before him and said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus, Lord, if you are willing. Jesus, how far are you willing to go to show that you love me? Jesus, am I beyond loving? Am I beyond your help? Am I worthy of you working in my life? Am I worthy of you? 
doing this for me? See, the question isn't, Jesus, if you are able, can you make me clean? It's not a question of ability. It's not if Jesus can. It's a question of heart. Jesus, are you willing? It's not a question of ability. It was a question of willingness. So what happens in this moment? We come to this moment in this story and what happens in this moment to Jesus? What happens to the crowd? What happens to this man? Do they all run away? Because this guy is unclean. And if they are around him, they can become unclean. Do they all try to politely but briskly back away without turning? Or that maybe we don't want to be rude, so we'll just try and slip kind of out the back door? Do they tell him, get out of here? Go away. Did they yell at him and curse at him? What are you doing? You, do you know what you're doing to us by you being here? What does Jesus do? This man is breaking the law. The laws of God and the laws of man by being there. Does he send him away? Does he, does he yell at him? What does Jesus do in this moment? Is he willing? Verse 3. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. Jesus touched him. Jesus, you cannot do that. You cannot do that. Of all the things that you could do here, this was not one of them. This was the wrong answer. See, if there was any loophole, any way that Jesus could have gotten out of being unclean before, that ship has now sailed. It's one thing to be able to say, well, maybe I wasn't quite as close as a... It's another. He's now touched them. It's gone now. You simply cannot touch someone with a disease like this. Jesus reached out his hand and he touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. Immediately he was cleansed of his leprosy. So what does it mean to be kind? See, the question, or we see the question, we see the answer, and we see the way of kindness in this story. First, the question, the question that comes to, when it comes to being kind, the question is this, are you willing? See, it's important to understand that the question in this story wasn't about Jesus' capabilities. It wasn't about whether or not Jesus could, only if Jesus would. And he had lots of reasons to not do what he did. This man had pushed the limits. He had broken the limits of what he was or wasn't allowed to do. He was putting Jesus and everyone else there in a very real danger of the literal and metaphorical ending of their lives. See, any number of people there could have gotten sick and died. But best case scenario, any number of these people now are, are excommunicated from society. 
because now they're unclean. This man did all of this to these people. Undoubtedly, people were angry. They were mad. And rightfully so. They hadn't done anything to invite this on themselves. And it wasn't about if Jesus could heal. Just would Jesus heal? And so the question that we come to ourselves with this morning as we try to understand about being kind, the question we have to ask ourselves, are we willing? Are we willing to be kind? When someone has done something that I think is wrong, am I willing to be kind? When I think that you've crossed the line and you've gone too far, Am I willing to be kind? When someone has hurt me, am I willing to be kind? See, it's not a question of ability. It's, it's not, can you be kind? It's not, Jesus, if you're able to, can you heal me? It's, Jesus, if you're willing. And it's not, Brad, if you are able to be kind, will I? No, it's, Brad, are you willing to be kind? And that brings us to the answer to the question. When faced with this man, Jesus had the ability to heal, but did he want to? Was this man so, was this man so obvious that, was, that he was in the wrong? By any measure, he was reckless and could have hurt a lot of people, including Jesus himself. This man was not worthy of Jesus' time or energy, but Jesus' answer to the question is yes. I am willing. The answer to the question, despite everything that went into it, was, I am willing. So what about for us? What is the answer to that question? What about the people we see as wrong? Maybe reckless. Maybe someone who isn't worthy of our kindness. Are we willing? Have you said, I don't care what people think. I'm going to. Have you said, it doesn't matter what other people think. I am going to. It's my choice. It's my life. Even if other people feel whatever, I am going to. The question remains. Are you willing? And if that's our heart... The answer might be no. See, kindness simply is not about ability. It's only about a willingness. And that takes us to the last point. We've looked at the question, are you willing? And we've looked at how Jesus answered. He said, I am willing. But how did Jesus do it? Did he say to the man, okay, fine, you're healed, now get out of here. No, we read it. Jesus reached out and he touched him. He touched him. What does the kindness of God look like? What does it look like 
for us to be maturing in our walk with God when it comes to kindness. Jesus touched a leper. Our kindness needs to not just meet the bare minimum to qualify as kindness. That, that's not what Jesus modeled. Jesus did something for this man that probably no one had done for a very long time. Something that surely no one had done for him since he had been banished from society. He touched him. He didn't just tolerate this man. He didn't just allow for his mere existence to qualify as my kindness. He embraced him. How was Jesus kind? The way? His kindness was extravagant. Now you may say to me, but pastor, you have no idea what they did to me. And you expect me to be kind to them. But pastor, you, have, you don't know. You don't know what I've been through. You don't know what they said to me. You don't know the situations I've found myself in. Pastor, I don't think I need to be kind. And you're right, I have no idea. But I'm not going to tell you what I think you should do. I can only show us what Jesus modeled for us. And what Jesus models for us here isn't just as long as it's convenient, as long as it's easy, as long as it doesn't cost too much or affect us too much. Be kind. Jesus, in an effort to show extravagant kindness, does something so audacious and something seemingly so reckless just to show kindness. It was unimaginable just to show kindness. So I don't know your story. I don't know the places in your life where when asked if you were willing, the times when you said no. I don't know them. I know the times in my life where I've been asked to be kind and I've said no. This isn't somehow, I've got it. I can point to you a few times. where I, I said I wasn't willing there. I, but I don't know yours. But in the face of what Jesus said yes to, I think we all need to look at the things that we've said no to. And perhaps be willing to say, maybe I've got a little further to go. Maybe I've got a little further than I thought. See, kindness, it's not about ability. It's about a choice. Are you willing to be kind? Are you willing to be kind when it's hard? Are you willing to be kind when it feels justifiable to be something else? Are you willing to be kind when it comes at a cost? Scripture will say, it's the kindness of the Lord that leads us to repentance. It's the kindness that God demonstrated to us that leads us to repentance. Friends, we don't need God to make us more kind. We need God to make us more willing. 
We need our hearts to become more soft. It's not about ability. It's about willingness. Are you willing? Let's pray together. Jesus, Father God, we come to you and we pray that you would work in our hearts and our lives. God, God, we, we I hope, believe, and trust, and pray for myself and for all of my friends gathered here that, that, that we don't have hearts of stone, God, and I thank you for that. But God, I also know that there's been times, places, and opportunities in our lives when, when we've been asked the question, are you willing to be kind to them? And for one reason or another, perhaps we've had to say no. And God, I pray that as we look at this example that you've given us in this story where, where you were given all kinds of reasons to not reach out your hand and be kind, I thank you that as we look at this story, this testimony of you, God, I thank you that you model for us that however far we're, we, we feel like our limit is, that you've called us to reach further that you've called us to go past that. That wherever we feel like we, I know, they no longer deserve my kindness. Jesus, I thank you that you've called us to be kind to even them. And so God, I pray for, for our hearts. God, would you allow our hearts to be softened? God, wherever our hearts are now, God, would you allow them just to be softened a little more? Would you allow it, whatever walls we've draw, drawn up in our lives, whatever walls we've built up, to be able to say, this is how far I'm willing to go to be kind. God, would you help us to be able to, to push past that, to reach past that, to reach further than that. God, may we not see kindness as a weakness. May we not see kindness and, and being kind to others and being willing to, to put others first, to be willing to, to, to do the things that we need to do in order to be seen as kind. God, may we not see them as a weakness. May we not see them as somehow a bad thing. But God, may we discover that you've made us more willing that you've made us more willing, that, that when asked, are you willing, that our response would be like yours. Yes, I am willing. And God, I pray that through that, that we wouldn't just be kinder, but that through that we would point our people towards you, that our kindness would be a testimony of the work of God in our lives and that through that people would be drawn to relationship with you. May our kindness become our evangelism. May our kindness become our, our gospel sharing. That as we are kind, may we be kind in a way that can only be seen as the kindness of Jesus Christ. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. I could write a melody that all of heaven's choir sings Thanks for listening to this message from Hillside Church. I pray that you were blessed by what God had to say in this message. If you would like to connect further with Hillside Church, there are a couple places you can go. HillsideAirdrie.ca is our website, and you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at HillsideAirdrie. You can also look us up on YouTube and find all of our messages on Apple Podcasts. If you would like to connect to the pastoral team at Hillside, you can do that through our website, hillsideairdry.ca, and click on About Us in the main menu, and then click on Our Pastors. 
We're so thankful to be able to share the gospel message of Jesus Christ with our community in Airdrie and with you today. At Hillside Church, we are a family, not by blood, but a family that's been bought by blood. And that family includes you. As family we go. At best it all means nothing. With our love it all means nothing. I can dine with the kings and queens. My name go down in history. But if I don't have love, it means nothing. So take the old and make me new. Show me how to love like you. Cause if I don't have love, it means nothing. If I can love my neighbor like I love myself. Oh, if I won't move when my brother cries out for help. Before the sun goes down Then this life that I'm living What is in me now? At best it all means nothing Oh God With our love it all means nothing Oh At best it all means nothing Crashing symbol. Yeah. No, I don't want to be some empty noise. Down on my knees, Lord, I surrender. Jesus, help me to love with the love like yours. I don't want to sound like a crashing symbol. Oh, no, no, no. I don't want to be some empty noise. Oh, I'm down on my knees, Lord, I surrender. Help me to love with a love like you. like I love myself and I want to move when my brother cries out for help don't want to be too proud to forgive before the sun goes down then this life that I've been living what would it mean the best it will all mean something With love, it all means something. Yeah.
all means something yeah. With love it will all mean something